Hello everyone, you're listening to the Venture Poland podcast. My name is Daniel Czachorowski and my goal is to promote Poland as a great partner for any business venture, especially when it comes to technology. In my podcast, I interview Polish entrepreneurs, startups, managers and engineers to share some of their best insights and expertise so we can all learn from them. In this episode, we focus more on a persona rather than the company or a specific product. Today, I'm going to share with you a lot of positive energy directly from Szymon Chlebowski. He's a very experienced consulting manager and advanced security technology expert. I'm going to ask him how he defines business development and whether he has any advices for startups when it comes to securing global partnerships. Experience, comment, share and enjoy. It's great that uh, you've accepted my invite, uh, Shimon. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Daniel. I'm so happy and excited I can take part in it. Uh, we've met in the UK uh, when you were doing some consultancy work and I was almost immediately drawn into your energy. I'm not quite sure uh, where it's coming from, but hopefully after that interview, I'm, I'm going to know a bit more about you and a bit more about um, where all the positivity comes from. When I first thought about creating uh, a podcast, I knew that uh, I wanted you to be in it. So uh, please say hello to the audience and then uh, tell us who you are and what is it that you do, Shimon. Hello, Daniel. Hello, everybody watching us or listening to us, rather. Uh, as I said, it is uh, a big pleasure for me to take part in your initiative. Uh, I feel very excited about it. And then a few words about myself. So um, I represent generation which have grown up in a country located on the wrong side of uh, Iron Curtain, which basically means that it was mismanaged and ruined country. I do remember empty shelves in all kinds of shops or how worthless was our currency nominated eventually in millions due to high inflation. So it is enormous joy for me to observe how Polish economy has been continuously growing since the system transformation, which is nearly for three decades now, and to enjoy benefits coming from the EU integration. Speaking of which, I am such a person who benefits from the common market and related freedoms of the European Union. As for the last 10 years, I live in the Netherlands, working for an international company on regional EMEA, which stands for Europe, Middle East, uh, Africa level. And yes, we did meet in the UK while I was visiting a technological company in pursuit of new solutions for the corporation I work. Uh, I do remember that time. It was pleasure meeting you then uh, as well. <laughs> Great. Great. Okay, brilliant. So uh, if you could go back in history uh, for a moment and tell us a bit more about your background. And the only reason I'm uh, asking about this is because it seems that you've made your way into technology in a bit different way than we would normally, uh, you know, uh, think about it right now. So, so people normally go to university and they study technology and then they end up working for bigger or smaller technological companies. But in your, in your situation, it was a bit different 
Yeah, I think that uh, you, you're asking how come I'm working in the technological industry while I have a degree in sociology. Well, that's, that's <laughs> what LinkedIn says, so I'm asking, I'm just curious. I also have pretty strong mathematical background because um, I graduated from one of the best high schools specializing in math in Warsaw. It's been top ranked back in my school days and it is top ranked now too. So uh, I'm not, you know, purely coming from the human science degree. I, I, I did understand what, uh, what technology might be about, meaning the mathematics. Uh, this has equipped me with um, enough tools, knowledge and analytical skills to deal with the high tech. Yet simultaneously, at the age when, you know, you, you graduate from the high school, you're looking for what to do with yourself, which uh, program choose for your further education. I wanted to understand more about the human nature. And besides that, it was also the time when the idea of applied science and interdisciplinary approach got its momentum. So all these factors, plus a bit of various coincidences, resulted in me studying sociology for five years. But while I was studying, I also started working for a consulting company. This taught me how the business works. Also on an international level, as we were trying to match the Polish partners with uh, um, European partners. There was also an episode in my professional, professional career uh, that I was running together with a friend, a small IP company offering web pages and network administration services. So as you see, I got background in various fields, which I believe allows me to see the things from a broader perspective, yet not missing technological principles. That's basically how it happened. Okay, understood. I'm going to be quite honest here. I'm super interested in your international experience and probably that's going to be the main frame for this interview. So how did it affect your professional life? How does it affect your professional life right now, uh, the international experience you have? Well, I, when I moved to Netherlands this 10 years ago, it was, it's been definitely a big change for me, mostly because um, my duties at the very beginning covered a big region, literally stretched from Vladivostok, Far East Russia, to Cape Town, South Africa. I traveled quite extensively to countries I would never see if not my job. This was different cultures, different ways of building mutual trust, different technical problems occurring because of different environmental conditions and different work culture. Even different understanding of time, if you can imagine that. In some countries, they, they approach it differently. Yes, absolutely. So um, that was the main, let's say, change for me. And also it was the, the thing which was the most demanding for me to adapt. Uh, surprisingly, it was not that much difficult from the um, strictly professional point of view. I mean, uh, system integrators I used to work with in Poland had more technical knowledge and better trained staff than companies I started uh, working with. For example, you know, uh, the topics which uh, I could just slightly touch when making a training in Poland, I had to elaborate quite extensively in countries such as Turkmenistan or Azerbaijan. I see, I see. Well, I, I guess um, when it comes to technology, it's it's uh, quite 
important the educational part of it because when you use new technology obviously you need to first learn how it works and implement it in in your specific conditions for your specific applications but to be also you know 100% honest uh, i must say that uh, there was also the second hand side you know uh, of this change because i could participate in a, in a project much bigger and much more globally known, like the Burj Khalifa, for example, you know, the tallest building in, in the world. And this is a different kind of, uh, of a challenge, different uh, kind of, uh, um, of the approach which you have to have make or have to, to such a things. Or the Dubai airport, you know, the, there is nothing like that uh, when it comes to the projects uh, in, in, in Poland. And this kind of uh, mega structures, massive projects with... Uh, multiplied difficulties uh, they did happen in my job uh, when I moved abroad. That's great. So um, if we switch perspectives for a moment right now, mm -hmm. there is a lot of support programs in different countries, also in Poland, but there is nothing, well, in my opinion, there is nothing like a solid chunk of experience. So do you think moving back to Poland right now could progress your career even further? Uh, yes, I believe so. Uh, under the condition that uh, there are companies which could be interested in a person like me in order to expand their international operations or extend their business offer with new technological solutions. These are the two main fields I believe I could deliver the biggest chunk of added value. On the other hand, I do believe in a common European market in a sense that uh, to connect a company from Poland with a company, let's say, from the Netherlands, you don't really have to be physically present in neither of countries. Uh, I mean, you know, the at the certain moment, of course, personal contact is necessary, but uh, but to maintain it, uh, you can just uh, make use of current communication media. Absolutely. So from this perspective, you know, yes, uh, it would be lovely if I could come back to Poland and find an exciting job and help uh, Polish entrepreneurs to develop on the other hand, I think I can do the same still staying in Netherlands. <laughs> in that motion then, let's talk about your craft now. So, well, I understand you could call yourself business development manager. It took me some time to actually find a couple of different definitions of what does it stand for? What is business development? Some say it's more arts, others say it's more science. Um, what's BizDev for you then? If you ask me, it's neither art nor science. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all about the proper defining, you know, the key players you would like to approach, key stakeholders, as it is popular to describe it nowadays. Then establishing uh, and maintaining good working relationship. In my industry, these are mostly architects, specifiers, designers, and users. These are the people we want to approach. Uh, we try to educate them about the latest developments coming from the industry, new solutions, how to solve current problems with new technologies, and why it is better than the old solutions or the competitor's uh, solutions. To do so, you need to focus on specific segments of the market or verticals. Uh, you need to understand the challenges and, uh, and um, offer them matching solutions. So if they are happy with what you try to present to them, it is more likely that they are going to specify it. 
Plus, uh, it's you know crucial that you need to offer them support in uh, in designing or running proof of concepts. Uh, these are all you know the small factors which actually make your solution, especially if it is a new thing which hasn't been yet proved, more reliable for them. So for me, you know, it's I would split business development into two parts. One will be maintaining personal contacts with uh, people responsible to cooperate with you from the other side. And uh, the second part would be to uh, to have a good technological background and, and a good offer, uh, which will be basically attractive to them. So it might be the case that it's both uh, art uh, when it comes to people and science. <laughs> Actually, it might be, but uh, but I would like rather you know approach it like um, organizational challenge. Yeah, but if you have proper people with a proper approach, a proper attitude, then the, your business developed uh, will will be running. If you just focus about the pure formula how to organize business development, then you will you are going to miss one of the uh, uh, important ingredients. I see. So in that case, where does it sit within the organization? Let's say there is a technical company uh, somewhere in Poland and they would like to start finding new clients, finding new partners. Is it something that everyone should do or uh, there are people who are uh, meant to be trained to do that? That pretty much, of course, uh, depends on the size of organization. Uh, I see business development as a precise activity. So organizationally, I would locate it within sales department, but not necessarily with responsibility for, you know, bringing big sales volume to the company. It's more about bringing new opportunities to the table, uh, establishing new contacts, uh, listening what's going on in your uh, in your specific vertical uh, if it is you know railways for example it would be good if you if you get the membership to the uh, industrial bodies you know or international organizations uh, know their plans and know what's where you headed because the success uh, for 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 all of this technological gimmicks would be that they are actually solving somebody's headache that's true absolutely that's true when I wrote the plan for the interview, um, I was thinking that, um, well, I mean, I'm still thinking that business development, it's, it's actually super people-oriented activity because you need to, as you just said, you need to uh, solve people's headaches and you need to ask the correct questions and you need to uh, try to find people who have the headaches as well. Uh, so I've made that statement that people are actually catalyst and by connecting facts good things can happen naturally so does it come naturally the business development you do or is it something very hard to do uh, maybe you can share with us some stories about how you've done something in the past yeah um, let, let me try um, it's both yeah I mean in my organization actually we have dedicated people you know to maintain this um, communication on the, with the professional bodies and the specific decision makers which we tried to target, while my job would be more like, okay, when it comes that we have a good relation, I'll be coming to them with a specific piece of knowledge, with a specific solution, and my goal would be to convince them that, yeah, this is what you, what, what you need. In that respect... Uh, this is not that much for me, you know, to working directly with people, 
uh, although this part of, of working with uh, human beings is there as well. But if I think about um, how many hours a week I spend actually designing something, you know, which, which physically means putting some <laughs> combs and triangles and circles on the uh, floor plans, uh, that will be much more time than talking to people and, and just, you know, uh, exchanging the news and, and uh, convincing them that we're still good friends. So it's both. On the other hand, yes, as you said, indeed, sometimes it goes naturally, you know, like uh, like with this, um, yeah, English company, which you mentioned at the very beginning of our, of our discussion, of our conversation today. They had brilliant solution, which we wanted to integrate into the scope of our solutions of our products which we could offer to the market and this way extend what we could or, or what we could offer with something uh, giving the added value and uh, it does not work it does not fly as long as you don't really have a business opportunity with in which this solution could be effectively used uh, but at the moment when we when we have such a problem you know brought to us by our customers or we heard that there, okay there's a new project and they would like to solve specific uh, problem somehow then this is a good moment you know to connect uh, with your technological partner this is a good moment to extend your offer with with this new technology and then offer something which would be unique uh, or at least uh, better than the typical solutions uh, used in the industry and uh, indeed, I have numerous examples uh, from all over EMEA region uh, where suddenly, you know, either people were coming to us because they like so much the specific piece of technology which we had and the others couldn't deliver the same effective way as, as we did, or the opposite when we approach the other people to extend our offer and our technological uh, um, advance with uh, with somebody else's technology. It's... it's uh, it's happening all the time, you know, it's always there. I see. So if you would make a suggestion for a person or organization on how to actually implement practical biz dev operations, is there such thing that you could, you know, put on paper like a to-do list or checklist, something that is practical for for other companies? I believe so, yeah, but um, I believe so, but yes, it should be possible, you know, to organize it. But um, yet again, uh, it would be good if you have uh, good staff, good people, good employees on your side with open minds, uh, which uh, which uh, have good uh, personal, you know, skills. Uh, and on the other hand, when they, the people who they need to understand the technology, at least in my industry, everything here is just a high tech and uh, uh, understanding the basic concepts, uh, the transfer of the industry, what would be the impact of the new technologies is also crucial. For the small organization, I would say that it would be smart, you know, to focus on a specific market or vertical market. So you don't address everything because then you also address nothing. If you would like to have your offer stronger, your business develop better, just uh, focus on specific uh, segment and then try to approach it. That's, uh, that's how I would see it. Okay. I mean, I've been visiting some of the events and uh, shows uh, here in Poland since I've moved here. 
and they were more focused on uh, startups. Uh And my question is whether business development is a key part of any startup or is it something that only comes into play when the product or service is actually finished i i don't know i'm just i'm just curious because my i've got my own opinion mm-hmm. but i would like to hear what's your view on this you know a startup is a is a such a creature which you know has a big um, dynamics in getting the new technology and and making it usable on the other hand, it's also an organization which, by definition, typically struggles with uh, with financing. <laughs> so this is why you know the, the startups are looking for some grants, for some uh, fundraising money. Uh, they try, you know, to to sell their ideas to um, venture entrepreneurs. Uh, and this is like the biggest limitation with a startup. You you don't really have money in a startup stage, you know, to do this part properly. On the other hand, from the very beginning, you need to be connected with your future customers. Uh, you you would like perhaps to test your um, your uh, prototypes with them. You know, if it is something which you would like to um, to sell among the law enforcement, for example, in the future. It would be good if the slow enforcement people could actually test it at the stage where it is prototype and give you the feedback how you can improve it and uh, which of your ideas were wrong, uh, which were good. How do you think about that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, in my opinion, it's, I mean, business development, it's like just a must. It, it has to happen from the very beginning, but in different contexts, obviously. But just a second ago, uh, one extra question came into my mind, which is, do you think that companies in general are open for such new ideas? So let's say we're running a technology startup and we would like to test the product or test the service. Do you think that companies will freely allow us to cooperate with them or is it super restricted and nobody wants to talk to um, startups or small technology companies? I believe that, you know, even... uh... I'm working in a security market, which is, you know, a bit different market than uh, than any other um, technological market because it's a bit conservative. So the new ideas, they are not, you know, gaining that easy access <laughs> to to the heads of the security people as in perhaps IT industry. However, I personally have been into the situations when the small company startups. Uh, they actually got their momentum right and they convinced people from the industry that what uh, they develop, what they offer would be a major change, would be a new trend, would be a standard in, in the future. And, and this is why um, people from security, even though they have certain limitations, organizational or, or legal, they still are open for the new ideas. If, for example, you would approach the airport and their security rooms and the way how they monitor the security at the airport with some new brilliant solution, I'm pretty much sure that they would allow it to be tested. Well, that's great. It's empowering when you think about this. And that's my opinion as well. It's just about making those connections and trying to actually reach the people who you can present the solution to. The difficult part, of course, will be, you know, to present it uh, in such a um, 
in such an attractive way that they will think, yes, uh, if we have it in the future, if we, if we help with the development of this thing, uh, then we will benefit. So, you know, at the moment that it is a win-win situation, definitely I think that uh, uh, even the startups can have um, very, maybe not easy, but, but uh, possible, you know, way to, to reach their customers, to reach uh, their final end users and together with them to make some proof of concepts and uh, test the technologies uh, on living organisms. Right. So let's move into even bigger idea then. So if there is a technology company somewhere, should they focus on the local market to make the proof of concept or maybe to trial their technology? Or should they maybe try with a scenario of having an international partner straight away? Do you think there is a merit to it? I, I would rather go, you know, the way, the international way. Uh, why I think so? You know, it's, uh, we talk to each other in being, you know, in a different countries in European Union. Uh, everything what happens, you know, in European Union is not that much country-specific anymore. In Poland, for example, you know, that uh, I, I just checked, you know, some days ago, the latest economical data, and it said that 40% of the GDP of Poland is generated by export. It, it shows how much you can gain, you know, when you open for to cooperate with uh, different partners from abroad. Of course, local markets, they also have uh, um, potential to develop. But I think that especially for a technological industry, it's, it's better if you try to extend from just one country to multiple countries even to regional, you know, approach. Well, I'm looking from the same side. Since I've been living and working abroad, I've got the same opinion that it's no longer a closed economy per country. It's more like a living organism, like you've just said. And it seems like the barriers are no longer there. And it's just a matter of a good idea, a good product and just some business development as we spoke about it today exactly especially that you know it uh, it also limits you know um, the chances for failure because um, what if the brilliant idea of a, a new startup entrepreneur has does not really work in Estonia or does not really work in Poland or does not really work you know in Slovenia but then Somehow it could work in, in, in Germany or maybe in Italy or, or somewhere else. The more markets you try to approach, the bigger chance that actually you find uh, somebody who will be thinking the same way as you do and uh, will find the proper use for your technology. Okay, so um, if we would talk about technology which is more software oriented, so... I'm just looking at companies in Poland right now and quite a lot of companies do software services. So they are super uh, efficient engineers. They're super qualified uh -huh. at reasonable prices, I suppose, in, in comparison to maybe other countries. But they don't have the idea. So they just do the software, let's say. What would be the way, in your opinion, to find their first international partner or client? Well, you know, old school approach would be, yeah, go to the trade shows, meet the people there, make the first contacts, develop from this stage. 
I guess that nowadays even this is not really necessary because, you know, using the social media, using this uh, internet, using the new uh, communication media, you can actually find these people uh, without leaving the room. <laughs> so uh, to a big extent, it is also about the marketing. Yeah, that's, uh, nothing will happen as long as nobody knows that uh, you exist. Uh, same with these companies. If this company has a brilliant idea, they have to somehow advertise themselves and uh, make themselves visible. This is the first stage to start talking. The second stage would be that uh, they have to somehow be better than their competitors. And it's not necessarily just a price. Perhaps the, 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 the quality of the programming or, you know, being always on time, not forgetting about the deadlines. That would be, you know, the fact which also can make, you know, the differentiator between them and, uh, for example, um, same price or even cheaper company from India. So the opportunity is out there. It's just about communicating uh, your message, I guess. And uh, for technology companies, I think it's never been easier to to do it. Uh, well, that's why we that's why we talk about international business development. Uh, one last uh, question. I'm quite curious what you're going to say about it. Uh, as a country, Poland, we've been recently celebrating our hundred years of independence, and I'm maybe not skeptical, but I'm in that group of people that try to look more into the future and not look back. Okay, we've been independent for 100 years. That's that's great. And I'm really proud of all the people who, who made it. But do you think we should maybe focus more on the future? And what would be your suggestion for Polish companies in general? What they should do to create prosperity uh, for next 100 years? Uh, well, Daniel, uh, I personally think you're 100% right. You, we should be more focusing about the future than, uh, than the past. Uh, the future is what is going to shape us. Uh, I mean, the past did shape us already, but uh, we don't have any impact on that anymore. And with the future, we do. Your question was about how long time perspective? Well, next hundred years, let's say, because it was a nice round number. So next hundred years. Well, uh, I cannot give you, of course, any reliable prediction what will what's going to happen in next hundred years, uh, especially with the current uh, with the current you know speed of um, developing technology. But some uh, some factors we can see already. So. The big words nowadays, this is artificial intelligence, this is uh, data mining, this is uh, Internet of Things. And these things are already happening, you know, these technologies are already emerging, but they are going to be, from at least in my personal opinion, a major um, driver, you know, for whatever will happen with, uh, uh, with uh, economy uh, and humanity in, in next years. So this is, you know, what I would, uh, what I would be betting on. But definitely, we're gonna have artificial intelligence everywhere around us. Uh, smart cameras, they are there. Our smartphones, our personal assistants, you know, everything. Back out, you know, self-driven cars. This is artificial intelligence, and uh, it's uh, it's more and more reality. Of course, the more we have artificial intelligence and uh, things which can communicate among each other and also with us, with humans, that will require changes in our in our perception, but also in our legal systems. Yeah, like uh, who is 
actually to be blamed in case of a car crash uh, in which automatically driven uh, car mm, you know participated is it the manufacturer of a car is it the manufacturer of the software uh, or is it the owner of a car uh, you know so all of these things uh, all of these problems had to be addressed and i believe that they will find the proper answers in pretty close future and uh, this will most probably shape you know our uh, century 21st century for the next decades uh, and from that we will see what will happen next you know uh, thinking about 100 years perspective uh, i could actually imagine the maybe even uh, artificial consciousness we don't know what the consciousness is is uh, is now but perhaps we will in next few years and then perhaps we can also emulate it with our computers so the future is great. The opportunities are there. I'm excited, you know, thinking about it. Uh, and I think this is going to be a great 100 years for uh, for Poland, for European Union, uh, for the, for business, basically. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's been great, uh, Shimon. Thank you very much for your uh, patience because we had some issues at the beginning, uh, technical issues. Obviously, technology cannot always work. We technical people deal with issues all the time, you know, so it's not a problem at all. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. It was great to have you here. Thank you very much. I wish you all the best, Shimon. Thank you. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you for giving me chance to participate in this initiative. Uh, I keep my fingers crossed that everything goes well. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm sure you felt the same energy uh, as I did when I first met Shimon. He's a really great guy. And I think uh, we have all learned from him quite a lot. Please share this interview if you think it brought you any value. Please comment if you like the interviews. Comment if you like my work. I'm going to bring you more guests. I hope it's going to be interesting for you guys. It's a great exercise for me, actually, so I'm going to keep doing it regardless of the circumstances. Stay tuned and till next time.